titled the message this morning, Above All Else. So I usually sit out on my patio, patio on uh, weekday mornings. A lot of mornings I get out there, usually between 6 and 7. I have my cup of coffee, have some devotional prayer time. And my wife does such a wonderful job with the flower garden. It really looks nice back there. Kind of have our own peaceful place there. But over the last week or two, the peace and quiet is no longer there. Why is that? Well, because we've got band camp that was going over at Doan, right? I don't know. I don't see any of my teenagers. Olivia, are you part of band camp? Were you there? You weren't? Oh, you were in Colorado. You skipped out. You have to do two days then, right? Right? I don't know what they do. Um, but the band camp was starting up. Now you're seeing Doan students. We're close enough to the college. Now you see Doan students. Kind of all of a sudden they're walking down the street. And s- but there's just more activity. And you could hear the cheerleaders. They must have had a cheer camp or something going on too because I could hear them doing their cheers at 7 o'clock in the morning, which probably isn't normal, right? Um, but you can tell we're gearing up to the school year beginning, right? It's kind of like it's it's here. So it actually starts this week. Amy had to show up on Thursday. And uh, so, Roger, you probably had to show up as well, didn't you, and the other teachers, so you were there for, <laughs> yeah, I think a, f- a few teachers were kind of dragging themselves in, but w- this time of the year, usually we take we take some time just as the school year begins to pray uh, for the school year, uh, for those in leadership, and things of that nature, so I want us to look at First Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 14, and uh, to get some thoughts, and then we're actually going to take some time to pray at the conclusion. I have a p- couple people lined up, and uh, we're going to have them just lead in prayer as we begin the school year. Amen? So before we begin, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word. I pray that it comes alive in our heart and our life this morning, and we give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. So let's read that together. First Timothy 2. 1 through 4. And Paul says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants some people to be saved. All people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. So I'm going to pull out some thoughts here. They'll be on the screen. You can take notes. I always encourage you to take notes because it helps you to, uh, it does help you to retain it. When you put it on paper or whatever, it helps you to uh, retain it and jog it back to memory. First of all, what we see here is Paul says that prayer should be the first of first importance in our life. Prayer should be of first importance in our life. He says, I urge you. So that word urge you means to implore, to ask earnestly, to exhort. So if somebody is urging you to do something, they're kind of in your face, right? And they say, hey, you need to do this, right? Right? That's what Paul's saying. Hey, you need to do this above all other things of first importance. You need to pray, right? 
of first importance, you need to pray. And Paul is telling Timothy that. He's telling the church that he is pastoring to do that as well. That above all else, they should be in prayer. You know, we, um, I hope you have a, a time, an intentional time, that you do pray. I know that things can happen. Life can happen and things like that. Um, but I hope you're intentional because if you are a mom, if you're a dad, you know, if you're just a human being, life happens and there's always things that take place in our life. And it's not a matter of usually staying busy. It's a matter of are you staying busy with the right things, right? You following me? It's not a matter of staying busy. It's, it's staying busy with the right things. And so having that quiet time and setting that time aside and finding that time that works for you and your life and your schedule, I think is important. Because if we don't have that time, there's always going to be, the phone is going to ring, right? The, somebody's going to be at the door. Somebody's texting you. Uh, the kids can't find their shoes. The dog needs to be let out or fed. You get the picture? There's always going to be something to do. But what's of first importance? Paul says to be in prayer. You know, um, Jesus, how many have watched the Chosen movie, the series Chosen? Okay, that is your assignment. You can get the first year is free on Amazon Prime and maybe Netflix or Hulu too, but it is free on Amazon Prime. Chosen, it's just looking at the life of Jesus and uh, pretty good. There's some pretty good moments in there. But, you know, Jesus had a lot happening in his life. And Luke Luke records this, Luke 5, 15 through 16. It says, The news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him. Why? Because he'd healed the sick, he raised the dead, they liked his preaching and teaching, he taught with authority, and he healed people of their sicknesses. But verse 16 says, But Jesus, what? Often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. You know, there was a lot of people that were wanting his attention. They had needs and they, they wanted to be before him. And yet in the midst of that busyness, and he also was kind of pouring into 12 disciples, in the midst of all that busyness, he, he said, you know what, I have to be intentional. And he would get away by himself with no cell phone or, right, they didn't have cell phones, Right. But he got away without any distractions and he prayed to his Father in heaven. You know, if Jesus had to do that, how much more do we, as the people of God, need to find those times where we withdraw to seek God, to be refreshed, to gain guidance, to find strength for the day, um, to be able to minister to other people, to have favor. Um, we need we need those times alone with God in prayer. So prayer should be of first importance in your life. And all I can do and say is that, hey, evaluate your own life. Where does prayer rank on that? Is it something that you work in at the end of your day if there's time? Before you put your head on your pillow and you doze off to sleep? Or is it one of the things that you say, hey, I can't live my day without spending time with prayer and God. If it means I don't, I don't eat or if it means something else. I'm going to find that time to pray. Right? That's pretty serious, isn't it? Wow. All right. Number two. Number two, and I just went to last week's. All right, number two. 
Secondly, prayer takes on various forms, right? And so Paul lists a couple different way, thing, ways that we can pray. He calls petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. So four different things there. So let's look at these a little bit. Um, first of all, petitions. Petitions, you know, when we see petitions, it's kind of like I go to Walmart, I go to the post office, and there's somebody there with a petition. They want you to sign that, right? Right? Because they're going to present it to get it part of on the, bring it before legislature or whatever. Petitions are an earnest or an urgent request. So to ask with urgency based on a presumed need, to plead or to beg. Now, if you look at the life of Jesus, there were times that the people were pretty earnest and urgent in their requests before God, right? They came before him. I think of the lady, this Syrophoenician woman. So that is, you have to be able to pronounce that before you can leave this morning. All right, it was up in the north. She was not a Jewish person, and so Jesus was kind of sent to the Jewish people, but we know that he was sent to all people, right? And he would die on the cross for all people. But she comes before Jesus, and she says, my daughter needs to be healed. She's desperate for healing, and Jesus says, I'm sent to the lost people of Israel. And um, she goes, you know what? Even dogs eat the crumbs that fall to the floor. So she's saying, you know, why did she use that expression? Because the Jewish people said these Syrophoenician people, these Gentiles, the Samaritans were like dogs. Isn't that kind of cruel, right? I know some of you are dog lovers, so I'm not referring to it in that sense, but all right. It was a derogatory term, right? But she says she, she pleaded with Jesus and she said, you know what? Even the dogs get the crumbs off the floor. And Jesus says, wow, I've never seen such great faith. And her daughter was healed. Urgent. You know, there's times in your life where your prayer life goes up several notches and it becomes a little more urgent. You know, maybe it's for your child that is sick and needs the touch of God. There's an urgency level that goes up quite a few notches there, right? That thing, that crisis happens in our life and we come before God. That is a petition. So sometimes our prayers take on that idea it is an urgent request that we be, bring before God. And then you have, he says, and then prayers. Um, and that's just a general term of praying to God, fellowshipping with God. All right? So um, I don't have a lot to add to that one. All right? We've got petitions, prayers, and then we have intercession. So intercession, you sometimes hear people talk about intercession. It means to speak to someone else on the behalf of another person. So in the case of interceding before God, it is I'm coming before God the Father praying not for my needs, but for somebody else's, right? Maybe a son or a daughter, maybe a loved one, maybe the neighbor across the street. We are praying for other people. Maybe we're praying for our nation. So we see examples in Scripture of praying for a loved one or praying for somebody else. But Daniel There's a great passage in the book of Daniel where he prays for his nation and he fasts and he prays and and then God gives him some revelation and shares some end time prophecies of things. Some have been fulfilled, some have yet to be fulfilled, but God entrusted that to him. He interceded. And I believe that God still calls his people to intercede for family and friends that don't know Christ or maybe they need a healing. Um to intercede for our nation and to intercede for our world. Amen? All right. Thanksgiving, number four there. That is to express gratitude for blessings or benefits. And 
Um, just a couple, there's a lot of passages in Scripture that talk about thanksgiving, but Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And if there's anything that I am guilty of, I'm sure I'm guilty of a lot of things, but one of the things that I am guilty of is I go before God with my request and I forget to be thankful, right? Up front. We should begin with praise and we should end with it. Enter his courts with thanksgiving, right? Don't just jump into your request. Say, God, I want this, 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 and this, right? Come before him with thanksgiving and praise. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Wow, that is hard. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, okay, repeats that again, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's where anxiety gets us, right? It gets us in our heart and in our mind. And God promises that if we can bring that before Him, His peace will guard it. Come before Him with thanksgiving, petition, prayer, and intercessions. Number three. What else I see here? I see that prayer has a focus. Who does Paul call us to pray for? Who does he call us to pray for? All people, right? All people. Men and women, any race or nationality. One of the commentaries I looked at, I thought had a really good quote. And it says, that reminder for all people is a reminder that prayer is for everyone. And that we should pray for all people. Because at times we can be tempted to confine our prayers to our narrow interests. You ever have that issue? We pray about things that involve you, but you forget about to pray about other people and other things. All right? I think uh, one of you, either Victor or Christy, are going to pray about people world. Is it you? Yeah. You know, we can pray about our nation and because, you know, we're paying more in the grocery store and at the pump and say, God, we need revival, right? But we sometimes can forget about our brothers and sisters in Christ that are in Africa and other places that are going through famine. And, and uh, some of the places in Africa, especially in areas with strong Muslim influence, to have a church service like this, they'd be gathering and to have militants come in and for people to be killed or for their building to be burned down or destroyed. That is happening, folks. And we should be also not praying for our nation and for our world, but for them as well. Amen? All right. We're to pray for all people. Pretty general, but I think there are some specific things there. But then he also says for kings. Maybe we could put, since our culture doesn't have a king, we have presidents, right? To pray for our leadership, right? Now, you know, in the past several years, I've had Obama, we've had Trump, 
we've had well, Bush was before that, and then we've had Biden. You know what? And we'll say, well, I'll pray for the president that's my political party or that I like. Well, if they're not that, I forget about them, right? But Scripture says that we are to pray for our leaders, whether they're our political party or not, whether we like them or not, they are worthy of our prayers. Amen? We are to pray for our leadership. And then he goes on to say, all those who are in authority, that can be presidents, that can be governors, that can be senators, representatives, mayors, school superintendents. The list goes on. To pray for those in authority. He gives us a list of things to pray for. When's the last time you prayed for our our governor? I guess that's Pete Ricketts, right? Yeah, when's the last time you prayed for Pete Ricketts? Or our President Joe Biden? Or our representatives, or the mayor of our city, or city council, right? Uh, To pray and to keep those people in our prayers. In fact, I think I saw our mayor this morning on a walk. You know, those people are worthy of our prayers, and Scripture calls us to pray for them. And we're going to pray for our schools as well, and just for our leadership there. Why? Why does Paul tell us to pray for these people? Prayer is a focus, but it also, prayer has an end game. Prayer has an end game, okay? And that term end game is a chess term. Do we have any chess players here? Okay, got one or two there. Now, there's, if you watch the Marvel Avengers movie, they have one of those. The last one is called the end game, right? Um, end game is a chess term. And so it refers to that final move that you make where you get checkmate, Right? Now, people that are really good at chess, they're planning that last move from the very first move, aren't they? Me, I just <laughs> I just kind of put things out there, and then I make the best out of it. And so my teammate liked to play chess last year. And, I, you know, the first several times I beat him, you know. But then he really upped his game. He went on to YouTube, and he researched and then it's kind of like he he had me, <laughs> I I couldn't win. So, but it's because I didn't really go into planning my moves from the very get go and where I wanted to be. But he knew what he wanted to see happen, and so from that very first first move, he was planning the end game. Prayer has an end game, folks. What is that? There's three things that Paul mentions. First of all, that we may live a quiet and peaceful life. Now, Paul's writing this when the Romans are pretty dominant, okay? It was, they influenced the, the, the narrative when Jesus walked the earth, right? And they were part of the process of him being crucified on the cross. So Rome was part of a big deal, and that's what Christianity would function under for several hundred years, folks. At times, there was persecution, there was difficulty. And so when Paul says, pray for those in authority, He was calling them to pray for people that had put people in the lion's den, in the the stadiums, and had them torn apart by lions or burned as Roman candles. You know, we use that term Roman candle, but they would douse people with with fuel and then light them on fire. That was a form of torture to help prevent people from turning to Christianity. He calls us to pray that we can live so that we'll live a quiet and peaceful life. Um, Calm, serene, orderly, peaceful, free of any kind of danger or trouble. You know, does that describe, how, how would you describe our world right now? 
quiet and peaceful? No. I wouldn't describe our nation as that. And I would not describe our world like that. When you see live missile tests going off on the news from China, that is not quiet and peaceful. And the, the tension that's happening in Ukraine, it is not quiet and peaceful. So God calls us to pray for peace and the calm. You know, Paul says in e- also in Ephesians six ten through 12, it's a great passage on prayer there. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So he is pro- he's writing this in prison and maybe he has a Roman soldier standing there. And so he pulls upon some, that's where he talks about the armor of God, kind of the same passage here. But he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. How often do we think it is against flesh and blood, right? But it's against rulers, it's against authorities, and against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And that is why prayer is so important, because if we try to fight the battles here on earth with physical weapons, they just don't work. The weapons we fight with are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. Second Corinthians. All right, we pray for quiet and peaceful life, but we also pray for godliness and holiness. And that describes behavior that is right and proper, especially in relation to other people and towards God. You know, holiness, at times we try to legislature, you know, take it through the courts or things like that. That provides some guidelines, but it is not, you can't change people's heart through laws, right? It cannot be forced. True holiness is a result of people responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We want a holy and a godly nation, right? But I think that requires more than, you know, there's been some good things maybe we would consider happening in the courts lately. Maybe you think not. I don't know. But that doesn't change people's hearts. Prayer can change people's hearts. You say, no way. It can't help. Yeah, it can. Charles Finney, I probably should have had a picture of him. He was a revivalist in the 1800s. He wrote some, um, some of his sermons and teachings are included in books. Um, but he was part of two great awakenings in the 1800s. Um, but there was such an anointing and presence of God in his life that in his services before, you know, he'd be preaching and people would just fall to their knees in repentance, um, weeping before God. But was it, what is even more incredible is he would go into a factory. Um, and um, I'm going to bring it up on my phone. Um, he would go into a factory and the people would fall on their knees and uh, and seek him. So just give me a second here. I'm going to pull it up. All right. Okay, here we go. Let me see if it brought it in. Yes, it did. Okay. So he would be traveling. In cities that he would have revivals, it is reported that people would be on the train, and when they'd get to that city, they could sense the presence of God. And so they would show up at his meetings, not because they were invited, but because the Holy Spirit drew them. Isn't that credible? 
There wasn't anything on Facebook. There wasn't in the newspaper. It was because the Holy Spirit uh, was there. Um, and then uh, he went to this factory. Uh, that's what I want to get to here. He went to this factory. So the second and third great awakenings, they were in that late uh, 1830s, 40s, and, and 58 and through 59, right before um, this, the one great revival was brought to halt because of the Civil War. All right. It's estimated that 600,000 people were brought to Christ in those revivals. But he went to this factory. About 3,000 people worked there. And there was one lady that knew when he walked into the factory, she knew who he was. And so she talked to the person working next to her, and she was making fun of him. And he, as he got close, he could tell that she was trying to avoid him. And so she was looking out the window. She was doing other things. And the convicting power of the presence of God was working in her life. And he kind of looked at her, and he kind of went towards her direction. By the time he got to her, she's weeping and crying. And um, God just kind of met her there, right? And as that happened, then one after another, people began to fall on their knees before God in this factory. 3,000 people committed their life to God that day in that factory. And the owner of the business, who was not a godly man, called for a prayer meeting and for prayer to happen there. And they say about 3,000 people committed their life to God that day. Isn't that incredible? You know what? And that all happened without him saying a word. The anointing of God and presence was on his life so powerful. That's a high standard to meet, isn't it? The power of prayer, but he was a man of prayer. What could God do in our hearts and our lives if we were people of prayer? Paul calls us to pray. Why? Because it's going to lead to peace and calmness, to godliness and holiness. And we definitely need that in our, in our nation, but also in our world today. But here's the last thing he says. So that all people may be saved. Amen? So that all people may be saved. Family, loved ones, neighbors, friends without Jesus. How many have a family, neighbor, friend that doesn't know Christ? I know I do, right? God calls us to pray so that they may be saved. I, I love hearing how people have come to know Christ and getting their story. And what you often find out is that somebody was praying for them, a mom or a dad, a neighbor. Somebody was praying for them, and it ultimately led to them coming to know Christ. Amen? Amen. I need somebody to go get Amy and Jill, if you can get Andy. And Dave, if you can get Amy. They're going to join us. So they're going to bring in the preschoolers. Amy will. And then uh, Andy's going to bring out um, the young ones. So there might be a little bit of activity. But we're going to pray um, just as we begin a school year. I'm going to have different people help me out here with prayer this morning. And I want you to join along, okay? So... A good thing to do with praying when somebody's up here praying is that you're praying with them. Okay, you following me on that? Just don't let this person pray, but pray in agreement with what they are saying. All right? So we might have a little bit of activity here with the kids coming in, but, but that's okay, right? And uh, we want to pray for these needs this, this morning. So we're going to give them just a minute here. What is God speaking in your heart concerning prayer? I pray that God can speak to you 
Um, I have I have a mom that has just been an incredible prayer warrior uh, since I was young. Just remember her prayers, and she's getting up there. She's 84, um, but she's still a praying person. She still calls me on Saturdays and prays for me and for for here every Saturday. She prays for you guys, and uh, isn't this great? This group of kids here. Um, so I'm going to have those that are going to pray. Would you come up front? And uh, Sarah, you're on deck first. And then if you guys can just be up front here so that um, we're just going to move through these. And uh, so Sarah's going to pray for our preschoolers. So she has one herself. Not Mr. quite. Mr. Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> they can be up here. Yeah, if they want to come up. Yeah, William and Jackson. Come here, man. Come here. Come on. Want me to? We're going to pray for you. Is that cool? <laughs> All right. Okay. Go for it, Sarah. Okay, God. This morning we just um, want to lift up these preschoolers to you this morning, God. We just ask as they walk into their classes that you will just um, guard their hearts and minds. <laughs> God, just protect them. <coughs> Be with the parents that are sending them off, God, and just um, draw them close to you the rest of their lives. Amen. Andy and then Anna, you'll hear next. Andy's um, praying for our students. Here. Yep, uh, the kids here and then our youth too. Um, so, God, we thank you um, that even in these uncertain times and these weird times, uh, that you raised up a boy Moses. You raised up a boy Moses in a time where there were different things taught. But Lord, I know that you also gave Moses his mom mm. to instill in him who Jehovah is, who the Lord is. And I thank you that we have that ability, Lord. And I pray that you speak to every parent as well, whether a mom or dad or whoever is in there being a guardian over them. Lord, show them that you have given them the grace to teach them who Jehovah is, who Jesus is, who the Lord is. And that even though our world might teach something contrary to your word, Lord, I pray that our kids would know who you are, would know who they are, and they would walk in the purpose and the calling, Lord. I know that the enemies after their innocence and who you created them to be, but you are our creator. And I pray that your grace and your presence would be with them, just as you promised that you said you would, that you would never leave them, you would never forsake them. God, I pray that your favor and your presence would be with them throughout this school year and throughout their lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, just pray for our students. I, I think about when I was growing up, the main issues were drugs and alcohol and sex, I guess. Those are still there, but now they're even, um, the enemy's coming after their identity, who they are, and uh, even more so. Abba, I pray that against all of this stuff that's coming against our children and our school system, that the teachers in the school, you would be with them this year, that you would remove the stress from the last few years from them as they walk through the doors tomorrow that it would just fall away Lord I pray that you would bring them peace that they would there would be a revival there that their light shining for you would be in the school system right now and I pray this for our, our nationwide school system but specifically for Crete that there would be a revival of the teachers 
and that they would be for you. Amen. And that's so true, Anna. I think a lot of the teachers are uh, are uh, are struggling this year, and uh, they need our prayers. Amen. The Doan students are coming. They'll be coming next week or two, and just pray for Doan. Father, we thank you for this upcoming school year, Lord, and this time that students can gather together at Doan and on campus and interact with one another and meet new people and see new faces and just have a new experience. And Father, as that time draws near and as students start arriving, Lord, we ask that your presence would just be on that campus, Lord, that they would feel your presence there. Lord, I pray over the believers that are going to be at Doan this year that they would find each other, Lord, that you would orchestrate it in such a way that their roommates uh, on the same sports team, on the, in the same classrooms, God, that they would find each other and that they would build a community and that they would just spread, Father, the people they interact with, professors, faculty. Lord, we ask, just as Anna prayed for revival with the teachers at Crete and nationwide, Lord, we pray for a revival on Doan campus, Lord, that that next generation that's going to be going out into the world, that they would be full of your love, your joy, your presence, Lord, and that they would reach far and wide across the U.S., across um, other countries. Lord, we just pray that your blessing would be upon them, Father, that you would give them perseverance throughout the school year and that your truth would go with them as well. Lord, as there's so many lies that try and bombard them and draw them away from who you are, Lord, would you just keep your truth with them, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there was a, a real good revival that took place at Doan back in the 70s, and uh, it was very impactful. Uh, Jill, Jill's going to pray for our nation. Father God, I just pray for our nation right now, for our leaders, both elected and the non-elected. Father, that they would seek after you, that their hearts would turn to you, Father God. No matter what party they are, no matter what their thought system is right now, Father God, that the Holy Spirit just invades their, their hearts and their minds, Lord Jesus. Lord, at the state level, at the school board level, at the county level, all the way up to Washington, Father God, I just ask for you to reign supreme, Lord God. Lord, and I pray for unity for your people. Father, you are not a God of division. You are not a God of fear, and you are not a God of hate. So I pray for unity that we can put everything aside and just concentrate on, on loving you and on what you have for us as a nation and as of a people. Father God, let a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit descend on our nation. Lord, let our hearts soften. Let our eyes and ears be open. Let your people stand firm on God's word while showing your love and your grace and your compassion, your forgiveness. Because even while we were still sinners, you died for us. And no matter what color, creed, socioeconomic standing, Lord, let your people show love. Let it shine through us. Let the fruit of your spirit shine through us. Help us not be a people of complaining, but of prayer. Help us walk in faith, in joy, amidst turmoil. 
So, Father, we just lay our nation in front of you and ask you to use us to change it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Victor. You know, he's going to pray for our ethnic populations, but probably where a creek has grown the most this summer is probably uh, just with our Hispanic population. And uh, God's placed us here to reach them. And, uh, so. Let me pray in Spanish, please, and English later. Okay. Amado Padre Celestial, En el nombre de Jesucristo oro por todas las etnias que habitamos en este país. Que la gracia y misericordia tuya permita que no solamente encuentren estabilidad monetaria y emocional, sino que puedan entablar una relación personal con nuestro amado Salvador y puedan estar enteramente preparados para ese glorioso encuentro contigo en las nubes y vivir conforme tú lo has planeado una eternidad sin fin. Beloved Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for all the ethnic groups that live in in this country, that your grace and mercy allow them not only to find monetary and emotional stability, but also to establish a personal relationship with our beloved God, beloved Savior, and to be fully prepared for that glorious glorious encounter with you in the clouds and live as you have planned at endless eternity but your sight in glory. Amen. 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 Christy, she's going to pray for the world. Father God, we just thank you for who you are and what you can do. And that, Lord, you desire none to perish, but to all to be saved. Lord, you know everybody on this world. Lord, you know our families. You know our loved ones. You know Crete. You know the state of Nebraska. And, Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would do the same thing as in those factories, that factory we heard about, and on the train. We know that, Lord, you can bring people to respond to the Holy Spirit and the wooing of the Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you, by your Spirit, would begin to open the eyes of the blind, the spiritual blind, and the physical blind. We know you can do that. Lord, that you can open up the hearts and soften the hearts of those that are so hard against the gospel and against you. But that, Lord, you want all to be saved. That's why you came. That's why you sent Jesus here, Lord, to save us. And so we pray, Father, you read in the, um, in the Old Testament about how the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the earth. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would hover over all your people around all of the world. And that, Lord, you would bring people to you and bring people to salvation. And, Lord, a place of repentance and accepting you, oh Lord God. We know that you can do it. Father, we pray that we would be sensitive as believers to the Holy Spirit. That we would, oh Lord, be the light and the witness. But, Lord, we just pray that people would be able to tune their hearts towards you. That they would be able to hear you and respond to you. Father, all over the world, we know that that is your desire. That is all to be saved. 
And we believe it to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Lord, this morning, as we leave here today, let us go in your presence and in your power and in prayer, in the spirit of prayer, Lord. Often, Lord God, we see needs around us, whether it's at home or in the news. And maybe we get this exasperated feeling, overwhelmed feeling, or a discouraged feeling, Lord God. God, that is not what you've called us to. You've called us to joy, to peace, to power. And Lord God, may when we see those things before us, may our first response above all is to seek you and to come before you. Lord God, let us be the people of God that seek your face and believe you for great and mighty things. Lord, be with our students this week. Be with our teachers. Be with our nation. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. We ask it in your name. Amen. Praise God.